This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A cannabis credit card is being proposed. Could we get to $150 a barrel oil? Also, Technology Thursday, we'll talk about some of the hot holiday gadgets and see if you can get your hands on any of them. Right now, the weekly tally of jobless claims is out ahead of tomorrow's government jobs report for November. Let's talk about it with Robert Dye, chief economist at Comerica Bank, based in Dallas. Bob, good to have you on the show. So kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of this report. Well, Cisco, it actually ticked up a little bit for the end of November, but Uh, These are weekly numbers. There's a lot of volatility in the series. The overall trend has been improving. And this is a rapidly tightening labor market right now. And I I think that's consistent with overall improving economic conditions. But it has some very interesting consequences, and especially for the Federal Reserve as they get ready for their December meeting. Yeah, talk about the challenge that the Fed has here, because you you have inflation. They've acknowledged, uh, you know, they don't want to call it transitory anymore. What what can they do and what should they do? Well, the the Fed is, as Jay Powell, chair of the Fed, has hinted strongly that the Fed is going to increase the rate of tapering. That's sort of a, a talking both ways, both directions at once here, bringing their asset purchases down at a faster rate. Uh, this spring. If they do that, that means they're going to get to a neutral point in terms of the balance sheet, and that's going to allow them to have interest rate liftoff sooner. So they're bringing the whole sequence forward in time. If they accelerate tapering, that means they're concerned about inflation, and they want to get the Fed funds rate up there to start tapping on the brakes a little bit. Should we, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you have jobless claims up, but but they're still pretty low. So should we feel pretty good about the direction of the economy? I think we, d- we do feel good about the uh, direction of the economy, but there's some major risk factors out there that everyone has been uh, trying to digest the news about Del- uh, COVID Omicron and what does that mean? Uh, the, the data has been good. We we're dealing with, still dealing with COVID. We got the Fed uh, maybe making a policy shift right now. So there's a lot of sources of volatility out there, and we're seeing that in the financial data that we, you were just talking about. Talk about, uh, and, and obviously it's not in this report, but in general what you've been seeing about labor participation. Uh, are we really seeing a lot of people who are either choosing to retire uh, or maybe even move into to single-income homes, people just sort of tra- uh, changing their trend for when they're working? Well, there's no doubt that the quits rate is going up. And we see that in the JOLTS data, that's Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey. The the normal quits rate is about 2% of your workforce every month. It has gone up. It's gone up by 50% to 3%. On a marginal basis, that's a pretty big increase. On an absolute basis, we need to keep this uh, scaled appropriately. On an absolute basis, it still means that 97% of your employees are not quitting. 
So it's not quite as destabilizing as, as, as some might think, though. But this is a very, very interesting labor market. It's going to continue to get very tight very quickly. We're going to get down to a 4% or so unemployment rate by the end of next year, maybe even below that. And so this is a labor market looking forward that's going to be very hard to hire people. And we're going to, I think what we're going to see is more business investment, uh, buying uh, computer software, machines, things like that, substituting capital for labor as much as we can going forward. Thanks so much. Robert Dye, chief economist at Comerica Bank. Electronics, always a popular item on Christmas lists. Let's check out the latest for the holidays. And what's ahead in the new year? Jennifer Jolly is joining us, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, based in San Francisco. Uh, Jennifer, always good to talk with you. If we had to come up with that one hottest gadget, what would be on the list? Well, this year, it's all about that one gadget that can solve a huge common problem. And for that, we have the key-sized SanDisk iExpand Flash Drive Lux. This is a total lifesaver when it comes to backing up all our photos and videos and music and documents and contacts by just simply plugging it in. It has USB-C connector on one end, lightning connector on the other. So you plug it into your iPhone or iOS tablets, laptops, same for Android devices. You can back up your entire life, your digital life, within a matter of minutes, like some 1,000 photos in like five to 10 minutes in their original resolution. So it's one of those lifesavers. And they're starting at about $40 and up on westerndigital.com. So that's that's really a hot one right now that nobody's really talking about. We're all talking about gaming consoles and stuff, but this is one every single person could use. Well, and there's importance if you want those things. And of course you want those things because you're taking all these pictures. <laughs> uh, people don't realize if you're not backing it up and not backing up at its resolution, you know, what, what you take it at, it could right. be gone just like that with your phone messing up. Yeah, your entire children's memorable moments forever. You should always back up twice anyway. So in addition to wherever else you're backing your photos up into the cloud, grab one of these little key side sticks, plug that in. Another one, Cisco, we're suckers for nostalgia. And Retro Tech Reimagined for our current times is making a really big splash this holiday season. And we expect that trend to continue into the new year. For that, there's the Arcade 1UP Infinity Game Table. It's one of my favorite finds. It's a coffee table with a giant tablet top that has all the best board games from Scrabble, Monopoly, Battleship. They're all ready to roll. No actual game pieces. Everything's on the tabletop. So that's really cool, too. Kind of that blend of old and new reimagined for 2021 and beyond. And really surprisingly, I've noticed this. I have young kids and I've noticed this with them. It's actually surprising how much they like those old games, too. We think it has to be new in order for them to like it, but it's, it's new to them. It's really sweet to get the noses out of the screens and out of the video games. And up to six people can sit around and play games like Battleship or Whack-A-Mole or Monopoly. Sorry, all of these beloved games. But there's, there is that futuristic feel to it. There's haptic feedback. So when you're playing Battleship, you feel a rumble when you score a hit. So, yeah, really, really cool. What about for those uh, music lovers or would-be music lovers who'd like to be able to play music? Well, that was on my bucket list for the pandemic, um, among several other things that I never got to. So the way I finally did it was by researching kids' gifts this year. 
Baiju's Future School recently launched Perform with Music. It's a modern online-based curriculum. It started out for kids ages 6 to 18, but it was so wildly popular, they opened it up to adults, too. So I just started learning my cute little guitar. <laughs> I call it a cute little guitar. It's uh, basically a mandolin. Like, it really is a cute little guitar. But you can learn to play the guitar or the piano online, but one-on-one with a super fun and engaging teacher who really helps you master technical skills, build social confidence. They'll even help you publish to TikTok or Snapchat if that's what you're into. But they make practice not horrible. They make it fun. They turn it into kind of a game. And this is really cool because one hour private classes start at just $24. So it makes it affordable too. Thanks so much. Some good pieces of advice there. Jennifer Jolly joining us, Tech Life columnist for USA Today. Oil prices are rising a little more than a half a percent back in the $66 range. Let's talk about $150 a barrel oil. Seems far-fetched, but a lot of analysts are saying it may happen. Phil Flynn is here, senior market analyst at Price Group. Uh, Phil, uh, I mean, $150 a barrel, and we're at 66 It does seem far-fetched. It does seem far-fetched. I'll, I'll tell you that. And, you know, even in the beginning of the year, I was looking for oil to get to $88 a barrel. We didn't quite get there. But I wouldn't be surprised that if we do, maybe not this year, but early next year, because make no mistake about it, this crash that we've seen in oil prices is really out of line with the fundamentals. The prices have fallen to suggest that because of this new variant, this Omicron uh, virus variant, that everybody's going to stop flying, they're going to shut down the global economy. Uh, and, and while that may be true to a certain extent, it's priced in a bigger lockdown than we had a year ago. So I think the market looks like it's overdone here a bit, and that's why we're bouncing back. It may be a rocky go because volatility is high, but make no mistake about it, I think the prices are lower than the actual fundamentals would suggest. Discuss what OPEC is doing here uh, as they talk about the next year and the kind of effect that may have. Well, OPEC went ahead with their production increase that they planned to do by 400,000 barrels a day. And that was a bit of a surprise to some analysts because they believe that OPEC, because of this drop in price, would pause and not raise increase in January. And at first, when it was announced that OPEC decided to go ahead with the increase, the price of oil fell. But under further review, people thought, well, wait a second, if OPEC's raising production, they must believe that the demand for oil is still going to be strong and that maybe the sell-off was overdone. So it had the opposite effect that you normally would expect. Instead of prices staying down, they reversed and went back up because OPEC is sending a sign of confidence to the market that they think the demand is good and they'll be able to continue to sell their oil and not worry about um, you know, having too much oil and crashing prices even more. And, of course, the big thing everyone is concerned about, gas prices. Oil is bigger than that in the economy, but what do we expect on gas prices? Well, I'll tell you this. The concerns about the virus crashed the wholesale price of gasoline and pushed down oil, so refiners, for the first time in a long time, can make gasoline a little cheaper. While you're not going to see the impact of the pump maybe overnight, you're going to see a downward trend on prices, and you could pick up maybe 10 to 20 cents a gallon of a break. But if you see that, enjoy it because it's not going to last forever. We think after that break in price, they're going to start edging up again.
Always good to talk to you. Phil Flynn, he is Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. Markets in plus territory big time. The Dow up 572. NASDAQ up 57. The S&P also up 57. Let's talk about it with Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management. Vahan, what do you make of today's rise on the markets? Uh, hi, Cisco. Well, um, I think this is just uh, standard volatility for the last week or so. So we're uh, we're basically dealing with a lot of uh, uncertainties about this uh, new coronavirus, uh, whether it's going to be um, worse or not as bad. Um, you know, the most recent evidence seems to indicate that people who are catching this are not uh, getting as sick as uh, we thought that they might. So that's certainly good news. And uh, today, I think the market's reacting to that. But uh, the bottom line is, I think the market was looking for a reason to sell off. Um, it's been uh, very high. Uh, I think it's been uh, very overvalued for quite some time. So I think it was looking for a reason to sell off, and, and the uh, coronavirus uh, new variant uh, gave it the, the reason. Are you seeing, uh, and maybe we can't dig down this deeply, but are, are you are you seeing that it is the longer-term investors who are moving money around, engaging in this volatility, or is it more those everyday traders who are maybe being spooked by the news? Well, you know, stock prices change only when people trade. So it's, it's always the traders that are moving um, stock prices on the margin. Long-term investors, you know, typically don't react to uh, to any kind of news. Uh, they sell when they need money, and they buy when they have excess money. So um, I'm not really concerned about the long-term investors. There might be some um, moving money around. Uh, for example, there were some stocks that got you know tremendously uh, oversold. So perhaps uh, some people sold some of their profitable positions to move money into those positions. But yes, uh, the bottom line is uh, in the short term, it's always the traders that move the, the stock prices. Uh, let's talk about energy. Uh, you have oil. I mean, it's down almost $20 a barrel from just a couple of weeks ago, and yet you still have some experts saying, oh, no, don't worry, it's just temporary. It's going to go up. I mean, what should we think about energy stocks? Yeah, it's interesting how um, oil prices suddenly collapsed after uh, President Biden said he's going to release oil from the SPR. But of course, uh, the amount of oil that he wanted to release would have virtually no impact on the price at all. The real reason uh, oil prices collapsed all of a sudden is, again, because uh, fears that um, this uh, next wave of infections could possibly really slow down the economy. I think that was a bit of an overreaction. Of course, today we did hear that um, OPEC is planning to uh, increase production a bit. Uh, that also could uh, reduce the price in the short run. But uh, I think, I, you know, I think over the long run, uh, when I say long run, I mean the next few months, I, I do expect oil prices to recover a bit. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to 100 like some people are forecasting. But I think uh, anywhere between 70 and 80 is, is a place where they'll probably settle. Let's talk about Apple uh, down about a percent today, weaker than expected iPhone demand. Uh, not, not exactly what they were hoping for. No, no, that's right. Well, Apple, of course, is one of the few stocks that has actually held up really well uh, during this panic sell-off this past week. So I'm not surprised that uh, you know any news out of Apple uh, caused a little bit of profit-taking today. 
are we seeing, um, and not just with Apple, but but with other companies, that the fact that we're having these supply chain issues, it, it means they can't get their products to market, which is, I mean, it's going to have an impact on revenue. It absolutely is. Uh, that should be a short-term thing. So I think investors will often overlook that uh, if they're convinced that supply chain disruptions will be alle- alleviated in the next few months. Uh, you know, they, they'll easily overlook that. Um, I think uh, that's a big question, how long it'll take for, for this to happen. And, of course, at the same time, we're also dealing with a bout of inflation. So uh, these two um, uh, problems at the same time hitting the market, and then along with the third problem of this uh, infection with the new variant, um, I think that's what's causing a lot of concern. Uh, I'm not surprised to see this kind of volatility. I think it's good that we saw some of the steam come out of the market um, there are a lot of stocks out there that are very cheap, and I think we will see some a bit of a rotation into those cheaper names. Thanks so much. Always good analysis from Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management. Technology Thursday Part 2, a worldwide slump in semiconductor production, is affecting many businesses, notably the auto industry. There are plans to make them in the U.S. It's expensive, though. Let's find out about it. Paul Hockman is here, president of Humongous Media. All right, so we may start making more of these chips here in the U.S. Tell us what's going on here, Paul. Well, the the correct word you just used is expensive. Uh, In order to make chips in the United States to solve the problem that the automobile manufacturers are having, they're literally cars being built with fewer features uh, than promised originally because they don't have the chips to power the feature. Um, If you have $52 lying around, it'll do it. According to most of the chip manufacturers, uh, they want Congress to approve that number, $52 billion in funding to boost incentives for domestic production. But it's, it's happening in medium and small scale already. Um, the big challenge, again, is enough chip manufacturing capacity in the world to satisfy current needs everywhere, including the U.S. And there is about 30 years ago, it was about 35 percent of the world's chip manufacturing capacity was in the U.S. Now it's under 10 percent. Uh, and so last May, TI, Texas Instruments, started construction on a $3 billion chip plant in Dallas, uh, Intel announced in March it's going to spend more than $20 billion to build two new chip manufacturing uh, factories in Arizona. Uh, Taiwan-based TSMC has already started construction on a $12 billion plant in Arizona, so it's happening. Uh, and, but the incentives are going to really put that into high gear. Now, uh, people, of course, they want this handled now so that they can get their car at a reasonable price and that sort of thing. But it, it yep. doesn't happen that way. I mean, we're, we're talking years before these new plants will actually be churning out chips. That's correct. Now, the, the yes and no. Uh, first of all, you're generally speaking, absolutely correct. Um, it does take years uh, for, the, in fact, about three is the, is the best guess, if you're really hammering, uh, to get chips developed from a plant that doesn't exist yet. It's a couple of years to build the plant and then another year to get it really rolling. That said, there are local, local meaning domestic suppliers that are ramping up with either secondhand uh, machinery uh, or, the, or, or brand new stuff that's smaller. There's a, uh, there's a company called Microchip Technology, not a fancy name, but they're investing in, in equipment and they're based in, this, in New York. Global Foundries based in Malta, New York, announced in July it's going to build another plant and also up, upgrade the, uh, the capacity of its existing plants. Uh, there's a, a manufacturer in North Carolina is going to pivot to semiconductors and change its name from Cree to a company called Wolf Speed, and they have that capacity to shift over. So it's, there's a lot of stuff that's available now. It's sort of like finding old equipment. It, the parallel, though it's not high-tech, 
is in the record business where vinyl has become hip and happening again and vinyl went away for CDs and then just storage in the cloud. Well, guess what? Anybody who can find old vinyl printing machines is going to make a lot of money. Same thing's happening with these chip manufacturers. If they have the capacity, and a lot of a lot of places in the U.S. do, they're going to be able to uh, make up some of that dis- difference. Now, prior to the pandemic, we didn't hear anything about a chip shortage. I mean, we basically thought that we had enough. Is there a chance that all of this gets ramped up and we get to a point where we have too many, you know, too much chip production, or is it expected the demand just to keep growing and growing to where, oh, we'll be able to use those? First of all, you're right because the, the margins in this business are very small. If you're down by a couple of percent in efficiency, you lose. Intel found that out the hard way about a decade ago. But one of the reasons we didn't hear about it before the pandemic is because supply chain manu- um, you know, issues were not such a, such a problem, meaning all those foreign suppliers, foreign to us, um, we're not having a hard time getting all the chips to supply demand here in the U.S. especially. Since that's changed and what's going to happen you know, in spades is people are basically projecting. They're going to have to get it right. But all these companies that are uh, including the ones we mentioned that are multiple billion plant, multiple billion dollar plants here, they're expecting the demand will increase and that all those domestic plants will satisfy a growing demand. So they think they're going to make a lot of money and they're going to help and they're going to be right. Thanks so much, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous media. Most consumer cannabis transactions are done in cash. Most banks are unwilling to deal with those businesses because of federal drug laws, but that may be changing. Ted Rossman is here, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Ted, help us to understand what's going on here with the possibility of a cannabis credit card. Yeah, that's right. There's this startup called SuperNet that's basically creating its own credit card and card network. So I would think of it kind of like a closed loop retail network, you know, like those credit cards that can only be used at a certain chain of stores. That's basically what they're doing here. They're kind of creating their own mini Visa or MasterCard. It's supposed to launch in January at 100 California retail cannabis businesses. And, you know, it's an interesting concept. I could actually see this catching on more broadly. It's addressing a couple of pain points. Retailers in this business have to deal with cash, and that's expensive. You have to handle it, get the armored car company to come. You worry about theft. Uh, From a consumer standpoint, rewards would be a big benefit. They do say that there will be rewards, although they haven't given specifics. The ability to carry a balance, that's something I'm more skeptical about. I wouldn't go into debt for this kind of purchase, um, but I I could definitely see trying to avoid cash if possible. And you'd have to believe if this takes off, and the cannabis business has certainly taken off, uh, that you would have other companies trying to figure out how to get involved in this. That's right. And I think that this could extend to some other adjacent industries, too. Like, for example, sports betting has really been taking off throughout the country. There's really not a great credit card angle on that because these are typically treated as cash advances. There's extra fees. There's the fact that interest starts accruing immediately. If there were a workaround there, that could be attractive. Same thing with the adult entertainment industry. There's been some flare-ups with certain major sites no longer able to accept say, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, it's kind of pushed some of this underground, and Bitcoin has sometimes stepped in as a filler. But I do think if there's a way to make these transactions easier for consumers 
And, you know, again, hopefully not putting them in debt, but maybe allowing for more convenient transactions, the ability to earn rewards. It does seem a little backwards if we're pushing all this onto cash. That kind of feels like going back a generation or more. Almost seems like the department store credit cards where where you have a card that allows you to get something, but you can't just use it anywhere. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. And I think that's really what they're starting off by doing. And I definitely think there's potential for this sort of thing to grow. I, I do really think that there's benefits in it for both sides of the transaction. Hopefully people won't end up overspending, but if it makes the transaction easier, I actually think merchants might have the most to gain just because I think people forget sometimes managing cash is actually really a hassle for businesses. And we've even seen very traditional businesses like delis and sandwich shops and other places saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could just do away with cash and just have everybody use a card? Now, you have to be careful about different laws and you don't want to disenfranchise people that maybe don't have a bank account or don't have a credit card. Uh, But I think being a cash only business is a bit of an oddity here in 2021. That's Ted Rossman, industry analyst at (laughs) creditcards.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.